Welcome to Martial Wisdom. Here you can listen to conversations on all kinds of topics related to martial arts. Today's topic is pressure testing in Aikido. And joining me for this discussion is Duncan Francis. You've probably noticed that episodes have not been coming out as frequently as they have in the past. This is from a combination of things, but I still love putting this material out for all of you. I wish there were more hours in the day. I'm still adding videos every week to the Spirit Aikido online program, which now has over 350 videos. In the latest series, I covered an initial response, which is useful for a wide variety of attacks. The purpose is to eliminate the confusion over how to respond by making the decision process simple and fast. I show a number of different endings and options to train and experiment with, all of which are simple and high percentage. I encourage you to check it out. My profound thanks to those who have subscribed to the program and those who have contributed to the PayPal tip jar. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now, on with the discussion. All right. I'm very excited to have Duncan Francis, my friend, back here uh, again on the Modern Aikido's podcast and, and Martial Wisdom. Uh, we got an interesting discussion today, and he brought this topic up to me about a week ago, and we, I've been looking forward to having this discussion on pressure testing in Aikido. Uh, I think it's going to be an, an invigorating discussion. So, Duncan, thanks for coming on. Oh, pleasure. Nice to be back. Um, yeah, so very briefly, we, um, as, as you know, we've got a, a YouTube channel and um, someone suggested that um, we cut we cover off some topics quite just quite broadly, just rather than being demonstration videos or being um, live stream things, just something to stimulate discussion, get some conversation going backwards and forwards and see where, see where it goes, especially the things that are a bit more kind of open-ended. And um, one of the things that we've been playing with in the dojo recently is the idea of um, not just pressure testing because we do that anyway, but introducing pressure testing in a way that is manageable for both advanced students and new people. So, you know, uh, I just stuck the camera on and ranted for 58 seconds and, you know, three days later, it's got whatever it is, 5,000 views. It's been, it's, it, so it's obviously a subject that is, um compelling for people shall we say um seems to be two sides to it lots of the um aikido is an art of peace people saying oh no there's no there's no punching in aikido and there's no this and there's okay that's fine that's absolutely that's absolutely fine as far as i'm concerned you know if you're not tra training an art as a martial art then that's fine but largely then the pressure testing conversation is is moot it, it, it's largely pointless then there was people also arguing the, the Aikido art of peace thing. And, and then in the same sentence, talking about O-sensei saying 90% of Aikido is a Timmy. So I was, getting a bit, I was getting a bit confused. And this is something that happens not just in Aikido, but I think in all martial arts, that people will cherry pick things from, from tradition, from the, from the stories and from the myths. I mean, you know, every martial arts got myths. I mean, you know, Aikido has even got... O sensei dodging bullets, which is clearly ludicrous. Mm -hmm. But the the roots of that obviously were important at the time. It was obviously an event that had a lot of effect on people and has just been you know told in a number of different ways from different perceptions, so we say, you know. Mm -hmm. But it happens in all arts, you know. Um the the thing with the pressure testing that um Unless you actually are, uh, hang on, let me let me take a backtrack. I've got to be careful how I do this. I don't want to, your your uh, 
video to be full of people screaming at you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So this is my take on it. I'm, I want to give the so I've been doing this a long, long, long time. Started in the 70s as a kid. One of the things that uh, the big realization for me uh, was that the technical training, so our waza or our, um, our techniques that everybody in all martial arts holds so sacred, they are basically like learning scales or learning chords for a musical instrument. They are demonstrations of a basic mechanical process that allow you to um, perform either a principle or a series of principles. So something like ikkyo, you know, the sacred number one technique. It allows you to learn as a beginner things like rasen, you know, the, the spiraling connections from a limb through to, to the spine, or toshi, the body drop, um, obviously kazushi taking balance, et cetera, et cetera. People that are more biomechanically minded will, will immediately reference Ikkyo as being a shoulder rolling forwards, which takes you into a forwards balance point. It shifts the weight into the toes or into the balls of the feet. Sometimes it will peel the instep up and roll you to the outside. You know, all of these things. So it's a, a brilliant um, drill for teaching principles, which you then should be able to develop and use them in whatever situation. Unfortunately, what happens is, is that uh, we get stuck in these technique-minded, you know, and if your foot isn't exactly in the same position as, as your sensei's, you have to do it again. Mm -hmm. And it never mm -hmm. gets past that. What we should be doing, I believe, is getting the, the, the principle right. Okay, he's got him down. wasn't exactly the same as how I do it, but he's two foot taller than me, as everyone is, you know. The shoulder's lower than the hand. He's rolling the shoulder forwards. He's not got tension in his upper body. He dropped his weight. That's all fine. Okay, let's try it again. Grab him again. This time, just use your fingertips. Try and give him a slap around the head. Don't be too mad, but just, just to make sure he's moving off the line. And that way you're adding in a tiny lever of pressure testing. If they're you know, students with a couple of years' experience, they can pull and push and try and do the slap. And then you've, it, it makes people realize then that the basic was the basic technique is only a demonstration of a principle. And to make that principle work, um, you have to have the appropriate situation. We've got a big sign in our dojo wall, move off the line, take the balance, react appropriately. That is the hub of everything. And you might start off doing what you think is going to be an ikkyo, but if the partner pulls you in really closely and locks her arm close to the body, you're not doing an ikkyo. But you might have something else that then gives you an opportunity. You might better get them in a headlock or, you know, knee them in the groin and take hold of their head and do a, you know. And I know that doesn't sound like Aikido, but it's it's the creative use of the principles that we're being taught, you know, that we should be being taught and passing on. And for me, that's how the pressure testing fits into what we're doing. So um, obviously it's up to everyone to, to scale this up. But we started off with the wrist grabs, and just gently adding in a, an atemi, um, sure. depending on who the person is with. So we've got a very petite lady and we've got to go six foot seven. Mm -hmm. It's no good me saying punch him in the nose or because she can't reach his nose. Mm -hmm. So she has to go for something else. So with her, she makes up the difference in the uh, in my eye and the difference in the, the arm length by using low kicks. She'll go to the inside of the knee. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be brutal, just enough to 
so that he acknowledges there's something there and it makes him flinch back, which brings his head down and brings his shoulders forwards, et cetera, et cetera. You know? And we just use that kind of process to add in a little bit of, I mean, it is basically testing of the principle. And mm -hmm. the good thing with it is that early on, you see even white belts saying, this doesn't work when he does that, does it, Sensei? And I go, no, mm -hmm. because we, we kind of, I mean, I had to, my respect for my sensei Hayden Foster was, you know, he, he was like a grandfather and a mentor and a, you know, a, an astonishingly authentic man. Um, and I basically, for a decade or so, just thought what he did was, you know, that that was it. You could use every technique in every situation. And it wasn't until I started cross training with other arts that you realised that things are constantly changing. You know, you and you have to have uh, the was the, the was or the techniques train your understanding of the principles until they get internalized enough. Then you're like a musician. Then if the band changes key, you can change key with it. The band speeds up, you can speed up. If the band's going too fast, you can drag the beat back. I'm sorry about the musical metaphors. I'm a musician. It's the only one I've got. <laughs> All right. But you see, it, it this is how um, this is how I I frame it. This is how it, it feels to me, and the more I've played about with this, and obviously within our group, we've got seven or eight different martial arts represented in our organization now. The more I talk to some of the other arts, um, all of them, apart from the Aikido people, seem to have some form of, let's call it pressure testing or light sparring. And I think that's massively missing. Now, I know you guys, you, you do a similar thing, don't you? Yeah, yeah, we do. You know, and in fact, that's what I wanted to lead off with was was what I have found is there are there are a few different definitions of pressure testing. And for anybody listening, I think it'd be good for us to cover some different ones because it's easy to try to hear a description of one and think that it doesn't fit what you have in mind because you're thinking of something else. Not you, you, but whoever might yeah, be. Yeah. And what I have found is that there are the first, the, to me, the first stage of pressure testing, and this is, I think, where anybody coming coming from a kata-based art, need, the first step they need to make along this direction is merely just adding in a little bit of resistance or, or one other variable, like having their attacker faint them or try to escape halfway through a technique being done to them and try to evade, just to add one, one little layer, but it goes, it will go farther than that. And for those people, and I recall, you know, this rather sad and dreadful incident years ago where we had, I shouldn't say we, because this young man claimed to be an Aikido student and wasn't, and he wanted to go prove Aikido. And he went into a dojo and said, you know, I want to, I want to show that what Aikido can do and test this. And he got an ass beat, I mean, hard and he, I think he, the crucial error there is is the expectation of testing the art or testing his skill. And that is, the first thing to know is if you can't do it at like 30% intensity, don't think you're going to do it, succeed at 80% or 100%. Um, because this is one of the most common things that I've heard in almost every discussion or argument about pressure testing is they think it's 100% everything full-on fight and that is that may be the ultimate goal but that is not where you want to start with pressure testing your technique i'll assure you that and and uh you know when 
when years ago when Rokas first went into a ring with his MMA fighter friend, that guy was going maybe 30% intensity and he just had no response. Like Rokas couldn't do anything. And so, but he found out there without getting his teeth beat in or slammed hard and sent to the hospital that there was, there was issues with what he was taught and trying to apply. And so as you learn, if you want to go down that road, do it in graduated steps. Don't try to go all the way to the the instructor's point of view that's actually a very difficult thing to do it is very difficult and we've got our pressure testing that we do in scales and we've also Mm -hmm. got the sparring that we we actually got four little sparring system but trying to develop that make it safe make it valuable and make it usable for people of all levels is actually Mm -hmm. a very tricky thing it it is tricky it it takes some patience and it takes letting your ego go because this is where (laughs) i don't want to say necessarily the ego but it's the you take away the the one thing that you want, which is the stress, because pressure testing is is a, you could put it under the stress inoculation category of training. You want to get used to a stressful situation where you can remain calm and perform without getting into that high stress uh, state yourself, where your technique goes to garbage. You know, you want, you want to try to keep that as much as possible. And in, in testing it, you want to basically test your spirit to see that you don't, become unglued and and panic um and again you do that in graduated stages but to me the the, you you also don't do it by throwing a a million variables at at the the student initially because you will get overwhelmed even at 20 or 30 percent intensity um and and what i heard you describe was actually what i would call a hinkawaza type situation where you're you're looking to adapt to changing conditions and i think that 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 alone yeah, that comes out of the pressure testing. Yes, naturally. with, with yeah. even at a low level of pressure or low level of stress, that is incredibly difficult to do. But it should be trained. It should be, and that's where like the even the the grapplers who work at low intensity, but they just keep going and going and going, and they're always adapting, and and positions are changing, and they need to they need to counter and and correctly and evade. Like that is a that is a valuable skill. And I think it, that is best trained at a lower intensity level because it allows it. You go slowly enough that your mind can start to under can study and understand. So once you burn in those patterns, now you can start to your body's used to it. Now you can start upping the speed and the intensity without coming unglued and panicking. Like that's yeah. that to me is the 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 process. And so pressure testing is far more than just saying okay, I've done you know, my, my cot is 5 million times and I'm, I've got them down and now it's okay, go time. Then, you know, try to kick my ass. Like that's a bridge too far. One might say. Sure. Yeah. Um, And once people start going a hundred percent, you get, you always get accidents. I mean, right. Occasionally when when I've let my guys, you know, go, well, probably 80% to be realistic Mm because they're not stupid. But you get the odd finger in the eye and things like that, and it's and it's just counterproductive to actually learning. Also, the reality of a real situation, and again, this is another thing for another conversation. Most martial artists or dojo martial artists have never been in a fight, mm-hmm. and they don't understand the randomness and the ferocity and the the emotional Suddenness. and yeah, the, but also the, the 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 emotional and and physical pathway. Most fights. There's, there's the tension, there's the build up, there's the big explosion. And then within 50 seconds, 
most of the time your average person in the street is 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 done is burnt out yep. and then the pace is changes and, and you know mm-hmm. so to go flat out in the dojo with someone that's young and fit and you're already warmed up and stuff it's not representative of what you're going to meet sticking at 75 percent and being a little bit more tactical about it and acknowledging what's happening okay i tried to do that and that that got me attacked okay mm-hmm. i'll do it again I'm more successful, you know, I'm, I'm taller than this guy. I'm going to try and use my height to get over the top and get behind and take him. I'm smaller. I'm going to try and pass under the arm and I'm going to try and take his back that way or whatever it is. And it, it becomes much more strategic and there's, much, there's a lot more lessons that actually sink in, you know? It's, sure. uh, yeah. Uh, but the, uh, the, the Henker Wojcik thing, you're absolutely right. Um, we sometimes, and again, it depends on the class, but we sometimes will do a basic, basic technique, especially if we've got some absolute new people on the mat, and I just want to kind of have a bit of fun with them. We'll, we'll do something completely basic, and then we'll add a little bit of pressure. As you say, a push or a pull or a little fingertip tap or something like that. And I won't give anyone any clues. And I'll just say to them, okay, react. See if you can still use, don't use strength. That's always the first thing I always say to people because otherwise the strongest person is just going to smash the other person. And it's, you know, keep it as body movement based. See if you can still apply that technique or at least the principle that technique is meant to be teaching you. And that allows people to have an open discussion about what they think that was or all that technique is teaching them, which is good because people often perceive things slightly differently. But then you see complete beginners twisting out of stuff or jumping out of stuff or pulling back or whatever. And you see what starts coming out. You go, okay, so what you've done is, you know, you've been trying to do that Nikio and it's not when you've been turning out of it. You've moved into like a, a Hiji or a Rockio. Okay, let's formally do that technique then. Let's have a play with that. Okay, then let's go back to it again. Let's do the pressure testing. Next time the guy pushes, let's see you flow more neatly back into it. Mm-hmm. And they're learning two techniques, but they're also learning the flow between and they're understanding the relationship between the two techniques where one is basically the fail safe of the other. And there's lots of techniques in uh, jiu-jitsu and Aikido like that, where one technique is the natural flow through from the failure of, an, of another one. Yeah. Uh, just you know, the Henker Wazza is like black belt, you know, it's nonsense. It should it it should be you know, day one. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't need to be, you have to graduate into it. In fact, I found that with, with Hankawaza or Randori or, or any, what, what a lot of students will consider advanced stuff that you can do that right from the get go. In fact, if you do that, your students never have built up in their mind that it's really scary. It's super difficult. Like it must, there must be something mysterious that no, no mortal can actually understand and they create this wall in their mind that makes it harder to do when they finally do get or get to doing it. Um, For sure. uh, and the more that you burn in the patterns, because I mean, as we know, when you're in a class, you are burning in the patterns into your body, the patterns of movement, even the patterns of how you think. So if you always think in terms of paired kata, you won't, you'll have a hard time breaking out of that later when you're expected to break out of it. Um, so it, like you said, it's good to, it's good to start on those things, um, earlier on and by, by lowering the the pressure down and, and only working with just a couple variables, you can easily work with brand new people and have them enjoy doing it and have, have fun with it. That's, that's a big, I think, thing of martial arts in general, it should be fun to do. You should enjoy doing it as well as seeing good productivity in in what you can learn in an hour or in in a single I'm a huge believer. I mean, I've I taught kids before mm-hmm. I taught adults. So when I was when I was like a new 
new black belt or whatever that was, you know, just after that man discovered fire. I was, <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was teaching the kids class before I was doing anything else because I just wanted to, you know, I, I liked teaching and I just wanted to um, get some experience. And you quickly learn with kids, especially, is that um, you can be sensei and clap and try and be strict and stuff, but you see their eyes glaze over. Mm-hmm. If you can develop things they think are games, which are teaching them the same principles, you get way better reaction. Sure. So, uh, so I try and keep the, uh, uh, you know, I try and keep the play mentality in, within the dojo. You get a much higher energy level. You get much better kind of, you know, and and then if someone does accidentally get a bit excited and someone gets walloped, you know, which happens mm-hmm. fairly regularly, no one takes offence at it. It's right. you know, it, it, the, the the atmosphere is better. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's the, the the crossover between uh, the pressure testing and the sparring. It, you know, the two things for me are very much linked because the minute you get um, people putting a little bit of something extra into a technique and then the other person is reacting to it, by definition, you have a low-level sparring thing going on. Sure. And, and again, getting back to what we said earlier, whether it's the pressure testing or whether it's sparring, whether you're merging the two things as a, as a kind of a amorphous co- concept, the... Uh, the setting of the rules as an instructor is the hardest thing because you've got to keep people productive. You've got to keep people interested. You've got to keep them safe. And then you've yep. got to have, there's be a way of feeding it through to people that have just started and people that have got 20 years experience. Yep. Well, one of the, you know, it, it occurred to me too, and this is, as I was teaching it, I found one of the best ways to, to simulate something that I had with, I had a, a great, a tremendous gift as I was co- coming up and through the Q ranks. And that is I had uh, another student who started a, about a year after I did, and he had, had the similar thing of what he wanted from Aikido that I wanted, which is to have my Aikido be powerful and useful against an actual real attacker. So when the two of us would partner up, we'd start out and we'd do the paired kata that we were shown from the instructor. And then I'd be like, okay, Mark, now give me some heat. You know, I want you to, I want you to start to start screw up my technique. I want you to really make contact with me. I mean, put the emotional content in this, not just be a meat puppet for me to play with. And that's where I would start to pressure test just that one technique or that one response that we were being shown. Cause I I was always respectful to the instructor in the class. I didn't want to go off track and start doing my own thing. But between the two of us, we we would like doing this with each other. And we were given, you know, five minutes or something to, to work on a technique. And by the end, we're breaking a hard sweat trying to actually grab and punch or do whatever it is attack the way that as intensely as we could imagine it being done and still have Nage do the correct technique. You were very lucky to have it. And so, but I wouldn't do that with everybody because not everybody is what, that's not what they wanted. So I could within, and I I wanted to share this in this, in this, because somebody might be thinking, well, what if my, what if my classmates just aren't interested in doing that? And I'm the only one in there. If you can just find one person that either maybe after class, you go and play and do this, or you can, you know, get clearance from your instructor that if the two of you are partnered up, you can start that's, putting heat on each other that's what i was going to say i think you were very lucky that you had an instructor that let you do that because yes. uh, lots of dojos that culture just isn't there right but, um yeah i think you hit the nail on the head there ask your instructor say look you know do you mind if we pressure test this a little bit we'll be sensible yeah. um see we'll, we'll practice the key on and we'll do it with a bit of flow because back in the day 
And like it's like for the Obama yeah. guys, for example, they would do everything from the solid grip, mm-hmm. then they'd do it with a step in, then mm-hmm. they would do it with a little bit of flow where you start to make the technique as they touch you, mm-hmm. and then you do it full Kino Nagari with the flow and leading the key and all that, yeah, which yeah. kind of is like a, a precursor to then adding, you know. Right. It's a progressive but, step through. Yeah. And, and but, at, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but but I think yeah, if you just ask your instructor, do you mind if we? And there's going to be someone else in the dojo that doesn't mind getting a slap up around the head, you know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and then you know, okay, if somebody's being difficult, what happens to your technique, and how do you adjust it so that you're safeguarded? And what I found was it it shored up my footwork, it improved my placement and timing. It also impressed upon me not to let them take the initiative when they came in. I had to move. Usually, like in a Remy in a turn, or, or or I had to come in with my Atemi, or I had to come in and intervene and take that initiative away. Once, once my uke has intent, like actual real intent to to land a shot or or make his his attack succeed, you have to take that from his mind. And this is where every martial art competitor that I've ever met will say the exact same thing. Martial arts is about eighty five percent mental. And only about 15% physical. But if you're if you're in that paired kata, there's no mental exchange, there's no intent, there's no none of that, then you're you've you've gutted most of your practice and all you're working on is just the physical, which is a small part. It's an important part for sure. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. but you'll you'll find out that other 85%, just how crucial that is when you when you have that mental, that mental I mean, engagement aspect. This, this, just listening to you then saying the stuff that you discovered from training with your your friend Mark, um, mm. that that alone allowed you to work out not just how you might modify things, but also the things that work for you specifically. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I was thinking, okay, I can see what he's doing. I'm visualizing it in my head. I'm thinking, yeah, he's six foot four. Yeah, that's not going to work for me. You know, right. so yeah. For me, I ever get in close and do something horrendous mm-hmm. because I'm, you know, I'm like 175, whatever it is, yep. or, I, or, or I keep distance and I try and pass to the back or mm-hmm. I use my feet. You know, I've got a, yep. I've got a you know, Wing Chun background. So, but, so, you know, and that's my strategy kind of thing you know, sure. that underlies a lot of what I do. Now, yep. I've got a, got a couple of guys that are kind of your size and are kind of, you know, very, very fit athletic guys they're much more likely to get involved and try and get hold of someone and use talk and try and pass to take someone's back. Or, you know, I've got a real big heavy guy who just dump people to the floor, uses his body weight, you know, but unless you do that pressure testing, you don't find this out. Correct. It would be ludicrous for one of, you know, a a big Maori boy who's bigger than my entire family Mm -hmm. (laughs) to try and do what I do, you know, because he's got all these other tools in his, in his, uh, you know, in his armory. Why on earth wouldn't he use that? So, I mean, and again, this is, this is the problem with being too adherent to, um, and I'm not being disrespectful to tradition. Uh, There's a, uh, um, a Japanese kind of concept called shuhari, mm-hmm. which is from the, I think it's from the Go players. Shuhari, yep. Yeah, yeah. And it's basically, I'm probably translating this terribly, but it's basically acknowledging and learning from tradition, mm-hmm. um, absorbing it and making it in, and making it internalized and making it your own, mm-hmm. and then purposefully 
evolving it and breaking away and 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 kind of making it your own interpretation of the thing mm -hmm. with the mindset of making it right for yourself but also for improving the overall concept sure which i love i mean i, I think that's fantastic and from martial arts point of view i think unless you're pressure testing and you're sparring uh, and you're doing something that's scientific method is being applied to what you're doing mm -hmm. it's you're just never going to get past basically learning dance steps you know Correct. You know, and, and that's when you bring up the, the word traditional, I wanted to jump into that. If what we're talking about, you went back 100 years or 150 years and you talked to somebody who was a warrior who or who trained in, in these things because that was his profession, as opposed yeah. to civilians that are doing it for a hobby, they would say you were absolutely freaking insane if all you did was practice kata and expected yeah. to be able to perform. It's a you're out of your mind. Like you have to be able to manhandle somebody and do your technique on an active attacker, like flat out, or you just, I don't even know what you're doing. And well, I think that th this is, uh, you know, the, the part of the expectation of traditional being this stylized kata practice that teaches a martial art because I, it, it has very severe limitations um, and I get that it's a good way if you had one person that needed to teach 150 people in a session that you just get everybody doing pattern movement together. That's how militaries tend to train, you know, bayonet fighting and things like that, because it's hard to, to, to teach it that way. But it's also not very effective, but it's, be it's better than nothing. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that that martial arts were taught that way back through history because no. they were not. Um, well, it wouldn't be martial, would it? <laughs> right, right, exactly. And people, people would do the do training like we do now, and then get killed, and you know it would be kind of pointless. So, um, but that said, I also wanted to bring up what I consider the the unsolvable training problem, which is you cannot go one hundred percent intensity like you would in a fight and not have people injured. There's only really two approaches you can do. You can either armor yourself up with pads, helmets, and basically protection, and then go 100%, which there, even that is a distortion. Yes, you're able to apply 100% pressure, but you, you punch somebody in it, that's got a helmet on, it's not going to affect them. They're just going to keep going. So that's not how a real body necessarily well. respond likewise yeah. you say i'm going to ditch the armor ditch the padding we're going to go bare hands and we're going to go 100 and now you're going to like you said poked out eyes you're going to get fish hooks and and bruises and and you're going to everybody's going to get all banged up um so in training that's really not the expectation that your that your pressure testing is going to include 100 percent um now you can get close, but in order to get close and do it even moderately safely, safely, there has to be a level of control. This is not something you would do with white belts and, and new, newer students that are not controlled. You have to have a certain level of yeah. trained in control to start upping your the intensity of your pressure testing. If, but the, problem, the problem then is if if you like we said earlier about if you set some if you set anything within the syllabus as being advanced. You're adding a level of fear for the new people. So I, the conundrum I've been fighting with for the last couple of years is how do I include everybody? Right. So our, and again, this is a constantly evolving thing. And every time I see another idea, I steal it. You know, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm well, good because I have an idea for you. 
Okay, so so this is our what, this is our four levels of sparring as it is at the moment. Again, anyone in the comments that's watching this that's got a better idea or is you know doing something interesting, please please leave it because I'm I'm you know I'm always looking for new ideas. So our level one sparring, which everybody does, is uh, like a almost like a sticking hand. So it's upper body. I believe there was a video on the uh, martial side group a while ago of a a couple of lads doing a similar thing where right. you're basically it's 50 you're just holding on to each other's upper bodies taking the head trying to get to the outside pushing the arms around trying not to use strength it's more of a body movement it's a sensitivity exercise you're trying to find gaps so it's almost like chi sao in kung fu mm -hmm. same kind of thing and you're just trying to feel where the resistance is feel where the pressure is and it gives people something to play with but they also they can also learn to react and learn to learn where the triggers are okay i can feel he's planted his back foot he's going to push diagonally through you know if he pushes that shoulder i can let him go maybe i can get under the arm etc mm -hmm. the second level we do then is a bit like a judo drill and i did steal this from judo where uh we hold each other's elbows the gi, the gi elbows mm -hmm. um we've got a couple of ex-judo guys so they take it in kumuchi or whatever it's called a sleeve and a collar but but elbows is better mm -hmm. and then you're trying to basically get the other person down onto one knee or, or put them on the floor you okay. can trip you can do foot hooks obviously from a wing chicken background i use the i use the, the hook feet quite a bit you can you know it teaches people to use upper body and lower body it teaches people a toshi it keeps teach, stops people from making too much space under the armpit staying contained push and pull and if it's going well, it goes on for ages and you'll get largely a stalemate, but it's a great exercise. Sure. And it's again, it's a bit more advanced. The third one, then we do fingertips only, no armor, nothing. And it's head, shoulders, knees, and toes. And again, I stole this largely off someone else. So you're either trying to tap the hairline, mm -hmm. the shoulders, um, the knees, or the feet, which then gets people used to people diving for their legs because the rear naked, sorry, the um, a single leg and double leg takedowns now are are, are a pub fight reality, like yeah. it or not. You know? mm -hmm. Especially in New Zealand with rugby sure. players, everybody tries to right. hit you at a mile an hour. You know? mm -hmm. And the thing with that then is if we've got someone super tall and you can't reach their head, you go shoulders, sternum, knees, toes, or sometimes belt knot. Although the problem with belt knots, sometimes people get a, a slap in the wobbly bits. Sure. So to be a bit but because it's fingertips, it's mm -hmm. as quick as a, as a normal fight. It stays, then people can, can throw stuff out and it gets people, you see that people naturally start to cage up and they naturally drop their chin. It teaches that basics of, you know, like, you know, a boxing stance so they're not standing there like this hit me, you know? Sure. And then the last one, the level four, um, which we don't do a lot. Um, I've got to, still got to invest in a lot of headgear, but that's with head guard, mouthpiece, fingerless mitts, and then it's, 50 75 percent depending on the, the students and we decide what the what the attacks will be so we might go uh jab roundhouse or jab hook combinations sure. in any order and then you see what you can do and if you can turn it into technique or in the a principle of a technique so you can get underhook take the you know take the back and a rimmy kind of thing or you can roll them forwards and put the head down a chitin kind of thing mm -hmm. that's considered you've gained mechanical advantage that's a point so with all of these things if the other person gets the advantage you do a press up so sure. there's at least some accountability to it yeah, especially yeah. With, the kid, with the kids and so far it's been working well it needs you know it's a work in progress so as i said if anyone's got any any great ideas but it's um it just means that if you're doing something and people aren't quite sure why they're doing it 
you can quickly throw in a variation on especially the level four sparring and it right. gives people a way of of um, proactively testing what they're doing mm-hmm. and it's interesting because some people will find, will suddenly get a light bulb moment and it, okay i understand this other people will say i don't think this is going to work for me and i'll you know and if it, in a particular situation with that particular partner it might not be functional it might not be the appropriate solution mm-hmm. in which case got to draw on something else but at least they know that if right. they're with a tall person they're not going to try and do a, an up and over ikio you know mm-hmm. so yeah yeah it, it's been it's been interesting it's been as interesting for me as i hope it has been for the students yeah yeah i mean those explorations are are invaluable and it's yeah. not that we all need to have the same solution but we should all be working on our solutions and it's cool that we can get together and share our ideas sure. because that's what will inspire others and by the way um, I've had a couple different instructors now in the last few months that have contacted me that have told me that they are actually instituting reorganizing their curriculum because they want to do more things like this. And I, I've been thrilled to hear that. Um, yeah. and, and even one just recently contacted me that he's going to basically overhaul Aikido to be more modern, realistic, and he's starting a new dojo and, you know, I'm excited to work with them and just give them ideas and say, you know, here's here's a bunch I, of things, you know, here's the smorgasbord, go pick what you want if, from give it. Him my, it great. Give him my email and I can tell him all the things that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so the thing that I wanted to share, and I've got a couple of ideas on it. Firstly, I want to say I love sparring, um, yeah. but there's always something about it that has made me wonder there's something amiss with having that be a self-defense type situation and that is and it it took me a while to really rationalize this but it's it came to me like a like a light bulb of in a self-defense situation the goals are asymmetric in a sparring situation the goals are symmetric yes and that's that's i wanted to have something that indicated the asymmetric nature of having you're defending yourself from an attacker and this is something that that I even I got to liking it so much I made it part of the, the yellow belt test. I, I do this to every single person doing their very first test in Aikido, and that is I call it a one one uke randori. I will have the attacker say, "Your job is to dominate Nage, and you can pretty much do anything you want and go." And it's not over until Nage has gotten control of uke and put him down. Doesn't matter what the technique is. But the main goal is don't get hit. So the way that I teach it, and I teach it kind of in layers the way that you do, the first job is to survive. Don't worry about applying a technique. You have to wait for your opportunity in order to do that. So I will teach a lot of head covers. And I have uke like swinging more like a wild person because that's kind of the the a standard with with a street fighter, with, a, with an assault is somebody just getting, you know, attack upon attack upon attack coming. They and what I found is that that learning head covers and shifting protects the head and it makes Nage start to feel okay. I'm not in the direct threat right now. If I'm moving around, I'm hard to hit. If my head covers are coming up, somebody can be flailing away and I can be safe. Like if you don't feel safe, that then whatever happens next is going to be trouble. Um, you're going to be panicked and then things go really off kilter. So what I teach is just basic footwork maneuvering around. Cause I mean, Aikido is all about movement, right? We want to be a, a moving target because we're harder to hit, harder to land. And we want to use head covers to keep from getting hit in the sensitive areas. We keep moving 
and we wait for our, wait for that opportunity. So when I start teaching the head covers, I do it from a defensive standpoint. And I've I've covered this in my online program of you know specific videos of how to do it, but I'll describe it. But with head covers, and this is the beauty of them, if you do the same head covers that that like let's say you're attacking me and I'm I'm shifting around and I'm making it hard to hit, it's hard for you to get to me, but it's kind of a stalemate. You're going to keep swinging, and eventually you're probably going to connect something. But if I now turn offensive, because when I bring elbows up and now I move into your space with my elbows, now you have to respond to me. So this is that taking the initiative away from our attacker part. So we're basically almost steamroller, steamrollering Uke and threatening their space, using Irimi to, to encroach upon them and make them back off. And so I'm able to do this with white belts and, and have them feel comfortable in even a class or two doing it. And uh, to me, that's the foundation to build on is when you have that attacker, you're going to have to get into their territory and take that that initiative from them and take away their will to dominate you and have have it turn in in their mind into, oh, oh, my, I need to protect myself. I want to get away from this. That's the mind change that needs to happen in a self-defense situation, right? This, this, is, this is fascinating. Earlier, I referenced the fact that you're a head taller than me. Mm -hmm. You're talking about head, head covering and then moving yep. in with your elbow as the lead. Mm -hmm. yep. Obviously, it's a weapon, but also it's a sensitivity. You know, it's your first point of contact so you can feel where the structure is and the balance. Yep. And stuff. You know, I teach it from a from a cage and then into the spear because I need sure. the extra reach because I'm a short ass. Yep. <laughs> well, and that's so the thing. Like <laughs> once you and I'll do this yeah. too when I demonstrate this to students where I'll have I'll have one say, OK, you're swinging at my head and you're trying to hit me. And I'll kind of back up and I want you, I said, I want you to feel what happens. And I'll go for about five, 10 seconds and I'll be backing up and evading and slipping. And suddenly I'll start moving into them and they, they will back off right away. And I said, did you notice how different that felt? And they're like, oh yeah, that, that sucked. I, you know, when I've had a, a shorter person and they'll usually ask me, cause they'll see me do it. And my elbow tends to come in somewhere in this area on somebody yeah. and they'll say, but I'm short. And I say, well, Think about where that elbow goes in and I'll drop down and I'll drive the elbow into the solar plexus or something. And they go, oh, that sucks. I'm like, it, it sucks for me too. If you come in with your elbows and your head's covered up and you drive into my rib cage or into my abdomen and you come in with your body weight behind it, that will move somebody. And it's very unpleasant. I mean, it's not a knockout shot, but you will move somebody back and you'll, you'll take their space. And then that that elbow unfolds and now you can get into you know grab the gi rag you can get into collar ties you can get into something where you're taking control of their body or you get an arm drag you can get all kinds I mean, of great stuff from there and, and this also te i mean you, you know you, this is this auto teaches um what i would call aiki or, or you know grappling relevant skills because mm -hmm. um for example some martial arts focus on the striking and they get very good at striking. I mean, we do bag work and we do, you know, uh, but the thing with striking is that to go from an open fist and percussive open fist on someone, apart from the fact you might damage your hand, but to then open it up and to get hold of someone to better do the stuff that we do, mm -hmm. you're actually much better off to have an open, to be leading with the elbow and fold it out to get the extension or to be right. going in with like a shooter or going in with a palm strike is my favorite. But being a musician, mm -hmm. I don't want to smash these up any worse than yep. they already are, you know. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the instant reaction, whatever you feel you can hook into and you trans 
it transforms from a strike into a manipulation. Right. And again, you could teach those as formal drills, but why not do it as part of something that's much more immediate? I think, I mean, that's absolutely spot on. I think it's, it's common sense. Mm -hmm. the, well, and, and when I've talked it's, to it's great that you're, there's other people speaking to you that are doing the same thing. I mean, you know, within our organization, I think we all, we all rub off on each other. So you see a gradual, a gradual change, even amongst the, some of the more traditional guys sure. I've, I've seen in their training. Now they're, they're getting much more um, creative with their application. Mm -hmm. I sat on a downgrading the other day and, and um, lots of what the sensei was asking them to do was, you know, you could tell they hadn't really done before. Okay. Two of you grab it. And it was like, okay, this is good. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it put him under pressure to do that in the grading as well was, was, was great. You know? but, yeah. but they handled it. Their body movement was fine. And, you know, that, yep. that, so that's what, you know, that's what we should be getting to, but it's, how do you, how do you shift the mindset? How do you um, get people to, when, when people are used to a syllabus where you can print out a PDF and it's got this technique and the name and everyone knows what that is and you do that move and it's ticked off, mm -hmm. how do you shift that into something more um, broader scope, more concept-based? This, is, you this know, is the thing. I'm glad you mentioned that, and especially with the grading, because like we just did a showdown <laughs> test the other night or last mm -hmm. week, and uh, and the UK was... Um, a purple or about to be tested for her purple belt and she was just like i said you're a combination between a tiger and an octopus because she didn't do this the typical and this is goes right back to that kata how many how many ukes will do an attack even a spirited attack with intent behind it and then just give up like they stop and they let nage take their turn and get to just maneuver their body and they they're like okay i'll just go to the ground and and i'll settle into a nice i've been pinned position and I'll wait for the pressure and then I'll tap a little bit. She just kept going. She was like relentless. And it was hilarious because, you know, I, I actually brought in somebody else, a, my grappler friend to, to actually increase the pressure on him. I'm like, this is a showdown test. He, he needs to feel pressure and threat. Well, she within five minutes had him huffing and puffing. Like she scared him because when she would be taken down, she'd hook a, an ankle or she'd wrap up and try to, you know, keep going try to A, evade the, the technique, test the pin, try to evade and not get into, be drawn into the pin position, and then try to attack some other way. Like, and because it was a showdown test, you know, she knew that it was pretty much open license to be as annoying as an UK as she could, just to but still, you know, still safely. Right. Yeah. Safely. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, she wasn't a kamikaze, you know, or anything like that. But it was more of a spirited attacker that you might get. It's not going to be one contact and then Uke gives up. It's yeah, going sure. to be, they're going to keep after you. And you have to learn things like if you pin somebody, don't have your ankle, your foot right next to them where they can hook it because they will grab it, you know, or they'll try to tap you with it or things like that. I think to answer your question, that's the next step of breaking out of the, the normal one attack the defense that goes really well and, and you set them down and you you follow into that pattern it's now you have an uke who's relentless they're not going to stop until you have control of them flat out and Good. they'll try to evade the control they'll push that's back the against it that's the level four pressure testing mixed right. with the level four sparring that's the yeah. two things coming yep. together so and you can you can start right with your paired kata and just add that in alone and you will find a a, a, a whole new world 
of how tech of learning about technique when somebody's actively trying to get get out of it. Now, the one thing that I found that's that's the tricky part, and that is with, with and every UK does this. I've caught myself doing it many, many times is, you know, what's going to be done. So you do your attack and then you retract back out quickly because you know, you're going into a trap and you don't want to be caught into that trap. But then the, the point I try to impress with students is you have to, every time you're okay, you have to attack with the abandon of that. Somebody has no idea what is about to happen and full commitment if you're it's a strike if it's a grab or something it's got to be a hundred percent like you mean to do this even if and this is something that if you're you are a, a spectacular uke you can have that hundred percent intensity and go 20 percent speed you yeah. do not need to have the speed with the intensity you must have picked that out my head i was, I was gonna, <laughs> the, hard, the hardest the hardest thing to yeah. teach to people is to put emotional content into an attack Mm -hmm. like genuinely I've even had to do like little visualization things with some of my guys especially the teenagers because they kind of get all uncomfortable with it but the emotional content and the 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 intention of actually landing that strike mm -hmm. you know none of this putting a, a punch but then still better do it at 50 percent right and then if they get that once the adrenaline starts going, not sneaking it up and trying to, on either side. So you don't accelerate the technique past their 50% punch so you can get past it with speed because you couldn't do that in real life. Right. Trying to keep the thing. And it's a, it's a tough thing. It's a very, very tough I, thing. I've but met yeah. top martial artists that can't do it. I mean, shihans that cannot yeah. do it. So it's a precious few that that will will let their ego go, will give real, really be uke. They will give the body and commit into that attack even though they know that it's going to get turned around yep. but to but to still follow through now the other thing that i will say and this comes back to what you said earlier about a uh, nage who will say well you know uke retracts out they they've they backed off from a self-defense standpoint isn't that a win when your yeah, attacker absolutely. decides to back off of you like the goal is not to necessarily pin or and control somebody i mean if you get that it's great but if they if your attacker goes from wanting to rip your head off to backing off because they're afraid of you, well, now I consider that a win. You know, you you've made them rethink. Do I really want to do this? And this is something that you know, I uh, in, in studying. Uh, you asked me before the show. I was did a class on carjacking just the other night, where criminals are it, often very easily dissuaded. They they thought they had an easy prey. And if you show them that you're not and they back off, high level of probability, they're going to say, this isn't worth it. I'm leaving because they, they don't want to fight. They want a domination. They want merely to take. And this is how, uh, you know, self-defense really is about learning human behavior as much as it is or far more than it is about learning, you know, techniques or moves or, or things like that. And uh, what you were saying about the asymmetric, uh, right? Aspect. The asymmetric yeah, goal, I mean, exactly. Self defense is about survival. That's it, it. it is. And it's when you prove winning. to a predator who thought they were going to have an easy time that you're not an easy time, chances are that's going to be where your self defense, the physical aspect, will end. Yeah. And and not it's not guaranteed, but you'll it'll do a lot better than doing nothing or just trying to run. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I wanted to offer that in there too. Um, yeah. 
Well, I, I, I just want to round off by saying thanks for uh, having me back on again. I know I, I tend to uh, rant. I'm always getting shouted at for that. Um, but genuinely, if anyone's got any uh, any ideas about adding uh, sparring or resistance training into you know what doesn't matter what art they do i'm interested to see it because sometimes the application or the the you know the the, the way these things are systemized is as valuable as the actual as you know as the actual training sure so that that would be great leave it in the comments um obviously over the aikido silverdale channel we've got hundreds of videos from every martial art under the sun um but the it you know the same thing applies Mm -hmm. anything anyone you know if you're just coming over just to, to kind of be horrible to people then we just block you and it's fine but right. some of the stuff and some of the people we've met and some of the ideas that have come into the mix have been absolutely fantastic and nice. i think people like yourself that are, are like a, providing an open forum and the, the facebook group you run and some of the other people on there it's it you know this with the with the way that information is available to everybody now. There is no excuse for anyone with a uh, an appreciation for the scientific method, shall we call it, not to be seeking to improve what they do, because we're not just relying on the sensei that comes to our village in the mountains to teach us all that we need to know. You know, right? Uh, and and the notion now that aikido is this or jujitsu is that or karate is that now is becoming nonsense, because mm -hmm. it's down to the practitioner. Exactly. All arts. All arts now are, are merging. All arts are, you know, and it depends on the individual practitioner, what you want from your art, what you can take from the people you're around you, and what you're, what you're willing to accept might need changing in your own practice. And I think that's, that's the core to it. Absolutely. You know, and I wanted to leave people with one thought to ponder. And this is something that I've been thinking about the last few years, actually, and it's affecting how I teach and what I have my students do. We initially start by being reactive, right? We have Nage who has an attack, comes in and they respond. And we know that from a strategic standpoint, that's a that's a loser. We also have uh, the, the Shoto Seizu principle, the, the control the first move. We watch uh, Morahai Ueshiba engage with his uke before they get into range. He's controlling that first move. You could you Could you then say, is Aikido a first strike art? And if so, if that is the so a sound principle of self-defense of taking the first move when you know that, that physical danger is imminent and you take the initiative away from your attacker who's, who's building up ready to attack, how would that affect your kata training? How would that affect how you teach students to get them used to moving first, taking the initiative before just something to think about. Not going to discuss that's a, it here. That's another podcast right there. That's another one. Yep. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you, Duncan. Thank you, it was Barry. great to have you on again. Appreciate it, mate. You bet. Take care. Have a good night. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this discussion. Stay tuned for more episodes. I've got some great stuff on the way very soon. In the meantime, enjoy your training.
Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this discussion. Stay tuned for more episodes. I've got some great stuff on the way very soon. In the meantime, enjoy your training.